you know what I think would be funny? If little Archie, that's Archie Sussex, grows up to become a serial killer, yeah? and um, 20 years from now, he's living in a, uh, a converted warehouse. Um, and, uh, but no one goes in there. Yeah. But if, if anyone did, uh, on the walls of the warehouse, uh, they would find thousands of photos of all the people who were meanest to his mother and um, and then and, and then people would start dropping like flies all over the world um, and uh, and the detectives would take a, a fair while to uh, try and join the dots what have these people got in common uh, and then finally after around about 100 murders you know on all continents you know it's the weirdest thing and they're all dying the same way um, uh, you know, um, uh, eventually the detectives will hit upon it and they will say all these victims were mean to Megan and then uh, the SWAT team will get called in and, um, and they, they will get a battering ram and um, smash their way into Archie's studio apartment, sorry, his converted warehouse, and everyone will stop and they'll look around and there will be um, so many photos on the walls and lots of them will have a red cross you know, through them. Uh, that would be funny. There's every chance that Harry and Megan are just a couple of humans you know, um, who have fallen in love. Uh, it's not much more complex than that, you know. And, um, and you know, well, there's every chance that well, she is ambitious. I'm talking about um, Megan, you know, that, that seems to be fairly obvious. Harry, well, he'd have to be fairly ambitious, would he? I don't know, you know. Um, what is he, the product of Charles and Diana? Uh, yeah, Diana, she didn't set the world on fire. Charles, look, he, might, he doesn't set the world on fire. But he might not be the dad. Um, there was that other bloke who might be the dad. Look, it really doesn't matter. Uh, I would advise Harry. If, uh, by the way, if it all goes, uh, if it all goes haywire, Harry, go and get a DNA test. <laughs> you might, you know, there might be something you can use in that. You, know, you don't have to give a real name. Um, give a fake name. Just find out, and then when you get the DNA test back, uh, you know, spit into the thing. Um, you know, uh, give yourself a fake name like Charlie Threadbow. You know that one works for me. Um, and uh, and spit in there. Find out who your dad is and go. Hmm. Uh, now, can I use? You know, like, can I use this to my advantage? Um, I'd do that. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't hurt. 
to have the information in your back pocket. Yeah, it could benefit you. It could benefit you um, to have Charles as your father, and it could benefit you to have that other bloke as your father. I can't remember his name. Um, uh, you know, or even someone else altogether. You know, who's not Charles and not that other bloke, but someone altogether different. You know, in which case, you know, you, you know, like, you know, people might start um, criticising you and all that sort of thing. Um, you know, you might be Paul Burrell's kid. I remember that name from somewhere. Now, uh, or just someone straight off, you know, the bus to Piccadilly. You know, um, now, uh, and you know, having that in your pocket, you know, people say you've got duties, Harry, and all that sort of stuff. If if the heat gets too much and people are saying you have you know smashed the institution that is the royal family and you can you know you could you could run a line listen i'm not even related to any of them i'm like you you know and by that by that stage you know you might be hollywood royalty and you know people say you owe the british you know royalty something and you can say no more than you do i'm not even related now you may never play that card harry but, you know, why don't you have it in your back pocket? I wouldn't be surprised if Harry's already got that one in his back pocket. I would have had it in my back pocket by now if I was him, you know. But having to put that, all that aside, you know, now, that's interesting, you know, because um, Harry and Megan might be an ordinary couple trying to make their way in the world. And, you know, they might be in love, you know. May not be something, you know, and there might be a bit of ambition there, but is that a crime, you know? Uh, and so on and so forth, you know. Look, um, it is a crime, you know, if you're looking at it from one angle, you know, from, uh, possibly it's a crime. Um, yeah, yeah a, a crime of treason, you know, uh, to um, up and out of there and head off to America. Uh, but then again, you know, it might be a couple in love and, you know, they're really, they've really, um, they've got themselves, uh, you know, as paramount considerations and their little baby and what the future holds for that little baby. You know, and Megan might not want to teach that baby that everything, to, everything British is good, you know, because, um, uh, you know, her heritage as an American, you know, and um, a slightly African-American as well, um, is such that, you know, uh, everything UK is, is that which we got rid of here in America. Um, so, you know, why would I teach Archie that everything UK is great? You know, that everything UK is okay, you know, to use the vernacular of, um, of social media. You know, you hear this, uh, it's all about whether things are okay or not okay. You know, people, you know, people say, oh, your, your behavior, Charlie, yesterday, was not okay. I say, what does not okay mean? You know, it's either good or it was bad. You know, my behaviour was either either good or it was bad. You know, in most cases, you know, sometimes you know, I might um, I might behave in a way that I think is great. You know, um, with my attitudes or something. You know, maybe I'm a racist. Maybe I'm an anti-racist. Maybe I'm this. Maybe I'm that. But the point is, whatever I am. Um, I may, I may be um, operating. You know, I might be uh, having a behaviour that I think is great. 
you know. And then, you know, social media kind of has this phrase. They say, your behaviour is not okay. I say, what's not okay mean? You know, I, 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 didn't, think, I didn't think my behaviour was okay, you know. I, I wasn't apologetic at all in my behaviour. You know, because when people say, your behaviour is not okay, there's a, there's a sort of assumption there that you thought it was okay. I don't, it's okay if I do this, you know. Um, but you may think it's great to do this thing and um, the opposite of great is not not okay, you know. Anyway, that's a side issue. I don't even know how, what got me onto that. But the point is, Harry and Megan might be just looking after the uh, out for the interests of little, um, little Archie and Harry might well already know that he's not related to the Queen or Prince Charles yeah, and that he's a half-brother to William. In which case, you know, that changes everything. Now, he shouldn't necessarily play that card, uh, but it's nice to have that card in your pocket. Yeah. If, 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 you've got, if, if, you, if you've got the ability to have some information in your pocket that you can or that you may or may not use, why wouldn't you have it? Now, I didn't intend talking about that when I just started this little segment, but it's just popped into my head, so I'm off and running with it already, aren't I? But, you know, there could be some factors at play here, you know, that... You know, someone like I am unaware of, you know. Um, you know for example, um, Megan might not be at this point in time in her life uh, just engaged, as a lot of people claim, in, um, in ladder climbing. You know, um, you know so I, some people no doubt think that Harry is just a stepping stone for her on the staircase <laughs> of um, where she wants to go and she's using Harry, you know, that sort of thing. But uh, there's no, I've got no evidence to, uh, uh, with regard to that. She may just simply have found the man she loves. You know? And look, she's had a baby with him. That's, that's taking, you know, if, she, if, she's, if she's on a rung of a ladder and she's not on the last rung yet, but she wants to go higher, yeah, maybe marry a Hollywood billionaire one day, you know, and dump Harry as soon as he's of no use to her. It was a pretty major step having a baby with him. Yeah. Um, so, you know, maybe you know, maybe she just plain loves him. She found the man she loves. Quite possibly. Uh, you know, but however, um, I don't really care about the humans involved in this story. I'm more fascinated by the... Um, by the political, the big picture political and social story behind it. Um, I, I don't really have any feelings towards Harry and Megan. So the episode coming up uh, starts with a little spiel by me that introduced the episode coming up after that. You know, um, so here it comes. Harry and Megan from the perspective of Charlie. You know, excuse that noise, by the way. I am at a swimming pool. Uh, working, uh, long story. I can't explain why, um, but it's become a, It's actually turned out to be a pretty good idea because I've been doing a few laps. You know when you'd normally take a break from your laptop, um, and what I've done, you know, I came here and I said, "Oh, look at all that water," and I just um, swam a few laps and then sort of shook myself off and sat down and did work for a couple of hours and then did a few more laps. And it's not a bad way to take a break. I might start working here every day. Well, I probably won't have that chance, but it's a great place to work. And just the, um, just the noise, um, the white noise of the water and all that sort of stuff, 
um, is very relaxing. It's a good place to work. What was I talking about? Oh yeah, Harry and Megan, on with the show. I've already recorded the episode that's coming up. It's about Harry and Megan, um, who have uh, trademarked, as I understand it, the word Sussex Royal. And, and for all I know, that's not even a big deal. But um, you know, that doesn't stop me having a little bit of fun wondering if it's a big deal. So you know, that's what this episode's about. Uh, yeah, there was something... Uh, I can never remember what I've heard and what I haven't heard and all that sort of thing. Uh, I don't hear any gossip, but you know I do hear a few things on the BBC World Service. You know, that's I, I listen to that a lot and all that sort of thing. So I keep up with the gossip a little bit. Um, but um, they, it seems a bit funny, you know, um, to me. Uh, the idea of being, being given a title, you know, a title that relates to an institution of a, a nation under a constitution, you know, and I'm talking about Sussex Royal, you know, um, strikes me as a bit funny, getting a title, you know, a job almost, and, um, and then trademarking that seems to me that whoever gave you the job owns the title and could take it off you and give it to someone else. Just like that. You know. um, yeah, it's a little bit like a high court judge, for example, uh, being appointed to the high court. And then, um, you know, trademarking the phrase high court judge, lawyer, you know. Um, and I'm surprised that they can even do it. Now, maybe they can't do it in England, but they can do it in a non-royal country like America, you know. So I explore that for fun. Um, and then all sorts of sort of interesting thoughts jump into my head. Um, you know, what's to stop William, William um, trademarking Cambridge Royal? because he's the Duke of uh, Cambridge. And then, what's to stop the Queen trademarking UK Royal? You know, that sounds pretty cool. Um, England Royal, you know, something like that. I'm the Queen Royal, you know, things like that. You know, can you trademark these things? Who do these sort of titles belong to? Now, in the following episode, I, I argue that um, as far as I know I'm not an expert on constitutional law and all that sort of stuff but or, or, or history which comes into it tradition you know comes into it um, but I argue that um, as far as I can tell uh, these titles under the constitution uh, belong to the people in the modern era, in the modern age, uh, the um, so and and, and yeah, I just I just have fun mucking around with that. That's all. Now, yeah, and then I started imagining. All right, what if tomorrow? You know, I'd almost do this if I was queen. I don't think the queen 
I think the Queen doesn't want to rock the boat when it comes to Harry and Meghan, as far as I can tell. Uh, you know, she could, she, she could, um, she could come down hard, play tough. You know, um, yeah. she could switch them surely tomorrow. You know, and make William. You know, like imagine if you know, tonight, Australia time, the Queen of England um, jumps onto Twitter and says, I hereby, you know, declare uh, Harry the Duke of Cambridge now and William, henceforth, is the Duke of Sussex. You know, I'll just switch them around, you know. Um, they can play with each other's toys, you know. And the Queen there, you know, what would happen then, you know? Um, Prince Harry would be trading in America, I presume, um, under the... Uh, as Sussex Royal, but he'd actually be Cambridge Royal, you know. Look, what I'm trying to illustrate is Harry was loaned that title, surely, um, you know, somehow, or uh, well, if not loaned, he was um, he was allowed to use it by the grace of the people, you know, is what, and uh, the people own the title. It's not for his him to say, oh. You've let me use this title. Um, yay. Um, it's mine. You know, so I play with that. Sorry. <laughs> a phone call came through. Uh, as I've said before, I speak this podcast directly into my phone as I'm running around. You know, because that's my downtime. Um, and, you know, whereas I might um, just listen to the radio... You know, when I'm just driving around for relaxation, I'd rather fill in my downtime with you know, doing something uh, interesting to me, anyway, not to you. Okay, so look, you get the, you get the drift of what this episode's about, um, and uh, look, it was probably timely that I was interrupted. Let's just get on with the show, which is uh, which I recorded last night. Uh, did you hear? You know, this should be a, should have been a canary in the mine. Did you see that bishop um, yeah, who was officiating um, at Harry and Megan's wedding? You know, he was the first to stay. That bishop, I can't remember his name. I'm tempted to call him Desmond Tutu, um, but that's just because he was black. You know. Uh, but he, he sounded like, uh, and also because he sounded like um, Desmond Tutu and acted like Desmond Tutu. You've got to love! You remember the way Desmond Tutu used to do that? All right. Now, um, now, what happened at Harry and Megan's wedding was Harry and Megan, you know, needed to feel good about themselves and all their wealth and all that sort of stuff. And um, that wedding emphasised all the good causes in the world except the wealth gap, you know, between the super wealthy and the, you know, the new peasant class, you know, the ordinary people. Now, um, and what Harry and Megan were doing by having, you know, Bishop, Archbishop Desmond Tutu there, <clears throat> is, um, you know, they were saying to the people, look, don't take it from us, you know, that we are good people and beautiful people, you know, for all the causes that we are beautiful about, you know, LGBT, anti-racism, everything else, don't take it from us, ask him. 
I've got an angle on Sussex Royal. Uh, that's Harry and Megan. I believe they're branding themselves Sussex Royal. I don't know whether you know they've got the trademark up or not, and where, whether they've got the trademark up all over the world. Is it a global brand? I don't know. You know, is it even possible to have Sussex Royal as a brand trademarked in Great Britain, in the UK? I, I would have thought it would be blocked but it may be possible to have it trademarked in America this brand Sussex Royal but I, I think it'll be become a global brand effectively if they manage to trademark it in America if they haven't already okay I've got an angle on this though and um, for my own amusement and it may not be original how could you have an original angle uh, on Harry and Megan? Is my guess, uh, you know. But I don't read the gossip, uh, so if it has come out, I wouldn't know about it. Although I do hear some things because I listen to the BBC World Service a lot, and some of it comes through there. Okay, um, here's the angle, and uh, at. The, and it's going to draw on some of the stuff I've been talking about in this podcast. So this is not really about Harry and Megan. It's really just um, using Harry and Megan uh, to um, you know, flesh out some of the other stuff I've been talking about. For example, the English and French and American revolutions. There's the angle. Right. Now the angle goes like this. Um... There was a time, long, long ago, you know, in feudal England, where effectively the Duke of Sussex would own Sussex. Now, in what way? Um, you know, um, I'd have to, I'd have to know more about the political system of the feudal England. A bit better than I do, uh, but you know, to a, there might have been a merchant class. Yeah, there was eventually, um, but a long, long time ago, I think you sort of had this situation where the Duke of Sussex would effectively own the people of Sussex. Okay, uh, to a certain extent, the Duke of Sussex would be Sussex. You probably know where I'm going with this. Okay, and and the reason. For that the Duke of Sussex could be one and the same thing as Sussex, more or less, was uh, was because before the English and the French revolutions, um, the king or queen and the nobility and the nobility um, of England and you know all the other houses of Europe and beyond um, um, would be would derive their power from God. Okay. God gives the monarch power uh, to rule the people. <clears throat> and then a priestly class... <laughs> a priestly class is set up um, to 
ratify that, you know, because a priestly class would be uh, set up to be in contact with God in order to be able to ask God whether this is true or not, you know, you know just in case the peasants make inquiries, you know, and, uh, you know, the peasants would make inquiries to the monarch saying, are you sure that God gave you this power? And, um, and the monarch would be able to say, don't ask me, ask the priests, you know. And the priests would, um, you know, who are often related, you know, they'd be the second son, you know, as it were. The first son would get the inheritance and the second son would, what, become a bishop. Okay. Um, and the priest would say, yes, it's true, actually. You know, um, I spoke to God and it's true, you know. So, um, and then, you know, the noble, the noble class, the Duke of Sussex, would um, make a donation to the priests then, you know, build a church, whatever, you know, pay the priest's salary. It was a sweet deal. And, um, and, and it, the way it worked out was very, very often if the Duke of Sussex back then played his cards well, uh, not only did he get to own the people and own the wealth and own everything, really, you know, effectively, um, by the grace of God... Uh, but the people would love him for it because God had given the Duke of Sussex um, wealth. Yeah, by the grace of God, the Duke of Sussex had all this power and he was passing some of that on to the peasants. Very little, but the point is you'd be grateful for anything you've got. You know? um, okay, but the central sort of point, I think, is that the Duke of Sussex, for example, would be one and the same thing as Sussex. I think you know where I'm going with this. Right. Now, that was back when um, you were the Duke of Sussex by the grace of God. You were not answerable to the people. You were answerable to God. And the people were owned by you. You know, you were owned by God, but the people were owned by you. Okay. So that's that. So God was up in the clouds, you know. Okay. That was that God. Now, the French Revolution came along. All that got swept away, you know. Um, know, We don't have uh, an English monarch. We don't have, you know, Queen Elizabeth II uh, has not got her power by the grace of God um, it's a constitutional monarchy now, and Queen, Le- Queen Elizabeth II's power derives from the people. You know, she is the queen by the grace of the people. And the, the, yeah, the people can have a referendum tomorrow and vote her out. Uh, this, is why, um, this is why royalists are very nervous about uh, referendums on becoming a republic, whether that's in Australia or England or anywhere else. Okay. So, completely different box of frogs we've got these days compared to what we used to have. Now, the way that works out is the people have all the power. You know, and they say, we agree to allow you to be a a titular king or queen, or, you know, by title, a king or queen, um, as long as you play a role, you know. And it's very... um, the, the people exact very strict rules on how the king or queen can 
play that game, you know, as a titular. I hope it's not titular, <laughs> because titular would sound very uh, funny if it's titular. But I'm sure I've heard that. Um, I often read stuff and don't know how it's pronounced. Um, okay, uh, so, um, yeah, so, for example, Sussex... The idea of Sussex, you know, not just the land, but the whole idea of the county, for example, you know, uh, um, belongs to the people. Okay? And by the grace of the people, you know, the opposite of the grace, not the grace of God, by the grace of the people, um, you know, uh, the, the Duke of Sussex, who's currently Harry, as it turns out, gets to... Um, hold that title without owning anything to do with Sussex, you know. Um, he's employed as such. Um, so the Queen, uh, by the grace of the people of the United Kingdom, you know, um, <coughs> uh, by the grace of the people, gets to uh, call herself Queen as long as she agrees. It's a contract between the people and the Queen and uh, the you know the power comes up from the people to Queen Elizabeth II, and um, and Queen Elizabeth II, you know, can pray by her bedside at night, and um, said and and advise God after the fact that um, by the grace of the people I am the Queen, um, and as far as you're concerned, God, you know, if she believes in God, which I'm pretty sure she might. Um, uh, you're just the god of me, you know. But I, I, you're not giving me any power, um, and that's that, you know. So you're you're my personal god, you know. No more than you are a god of the lowliest peasant, you know. And I think that you know Jesus wouldn't have minded that. I don't think. Right. So it's all flipped around, you know. And and, and I think um, a lot of people, you know, you don't. Uh, perhaps some people don't sort of twig. Um, that Queen Elizabeth I, for example, was given power by God um, and then passed that power on to, and then ruled the people by, via that power. Yeah. Whereas Queen Elizabeth II is a completely different thing um, uh, and power comes up from the people and she can just send a memo to God but no, nothing more. You know, God hasn't got any power in the situation. He just finds out after the fact. Okay, and then sometimes you hear people chanting down with the monarchy, we want a republic, and you almost think they, you almost think that um, they think they're back in the time of the French Revolution, overthrowing the old style monarchy. You know, the old style monarchy in which uh, the monarch had power by the grace of God, um, and you almost think they they think they're revolutionaries in that style, you know, but they're not. Um, you know the Queen works for them, and and, the, and nowadays <laughs> they're a very they're a, a much less exciting revolutionary. Um, the modern revolutionary trying to overthrow a monarchy is overthrowing a constitutional monarchy. You know, is asking is sorry. Can't stand Harleys, you know. Um, you know they, they uh, anyway. Um, yeah. If you want, if you say down with the monarchy in the 21st century, you're saying, I want to give up one sort of power in favour of another sort of power. So, it, and it's not necessarily, you're not necessarily going to get more power. You've got quite a lot of power 
having a monarch in the 21st century. Um, you know, you've got all the power of the Queen Bee there only by your grace, you know. Um, and, um, yeah, you kind of have to ask yourself, if you want to switch that from a constitutional monarchy to a constitutional republic as such, you know, a constitutional monarchy is a kind of republic anyway, uh, but, a con- you know, if you want to switch that, you're sort of saying, I want to give up that power in favour of this other power. Both powers are constitutional powers, and um, I somehow think that I might end up with more power. Look, you probably won't, you know. So all you're asking is for a different style of power. As a person arguing for the Republic, you're n- and this is why you're, j- you know, revolutionaries in the 21st century, it just doesn't feel right. You know, it doesn't feel as exciting as Les Mis, you know, and all that. You know, you, know, you try and wave your flag and people say, I'll oh, put that down, mate, you know. It, it just doesn't seem so exciting. You know, and the reason for that is, I think a lot of people do know that... Um, back in the French Revolution, you were um, waving the flag to get rid of a monarch who was ruling you and you had no power. You know, so this is a, a powerless mob rising up, waving the flag and guillotining the king and the queen, you know, in France at least, you know. Um, or Oliver Cromwell, you know, um, to, you know, knocking off the monarchy, you know, back then in favour of a parliament. But the bottom line is the powerless... You know, the powerless people rising up through people power and, ex- and, and becoming powerful after having been powerless, you know. But in Australia, for example, if you're arguing for a republic in Australia, you've already got power and you're asking for one sort of power to be, you know, to, you, you're asking to be one, for one sort of power to be taken off you, you know, so that you can have a different sort of power, you know, which is it feels a bit more lame you know. It's not as exciting, and that's why the flag-waving doesn't work very well, you know, and referendums, you know. And, and in Australia, it's even sort of worse than in England um, because the Queen's got no power. Yeah, the Queen's got no power in Australia, effectively, you know. The Queen can't make a call. She's a little bit... You know how, like I said, that the power comes up from the people of the United Kingdom... Um, and, you know, uh, and is given to the Queen of England, Queen Elizabeth I, and then she just lets God know afterwards. To a certain extent, in Australia, the power comes up from the people of Australia and, um, and you know, Parliament, you know, the representatives of the people, and uh, the Governor-General is kind of advised after the fact that he hasn't got much power, um, but he has got the power to sack the government. But the Queen's not involved really in any of that. And he may even sack the government as far as I know. And the Queen can't stop him. So she's not our Queen. She's not ruling us, you know. We are not her minions. I had a friend recently who had a friend from um, Ethiopia, of all places, who said, oh, I don't like the way Australia is set up. You should go to a republic because, you know, you're all just minions, of the Queen Elizabeth I in a different country. Absolutely not the case. Absolutely not the case. You know, for reasons just described. Um, you know, Queen Elizabeth II, she just gets a letter. You know, I, I can't remember how it all went uh, exactly with the dismissal, Gough Whitlam and all that sort of stuff. But when the Governor-General sacked uh, the, the government of the day, you know, which who had uh, Gough Whitlam as the Prime Minister in there back in 1975, um, yeah, you know, I didn't get the sense that Queen Elizabeth II really had any say in that. Uh, the Governor-General sacked. Our Governor-General, the Australian Governor-General sacked 
uh, the Whitlam government. Um, and I think the Queen more or less was just sent a memo. Um, and it's even worse than that now because we've had the Australia Act since Gough Whitlam's, the Gough Whitlam era. And the Australia Act um, uh, makes it even more like that, you know. <laughs> I think uh, these days the Queen, first she found out we were a republic, she'd probably found, find out on Twitter, you know. <laughs> that's a joke. Not far off it. Not, not far off the real thing, though, I bet. Right, so that's that. Now, back to Harry and Megan. Okay. Now, back then there was a god up in the clouds, you know, the Christian god, you know, conferring power, you know, divine monarchy and all this sort of stuff, you know. That was before the English and French revolutions, especially the English revolution for our purposes. Right. So that was the way it was a long time ago. And that system had sort of evolved into place, you know, uh, like a long before that there was no monarchy. A long time before that there was no monarchy because we had Rome in England at least, you know, um, and Rome, you know, was anti-monarchy, you know, um, yeah, for all the reasons we're anti-monarchy now, you know, because we haven't got a monarchy now in Australia. We've got a constitutional monarchy. A very, very different thing. Right. And um, now, um, so we, we've gotten back to ancient Rome, really. We're a republic, essentially, as far as I'm concerned, in Australia. Um, you know, we've got a, we've got a, a titular kind of royalty, so it's not real, you know. Um, okay, so that's that. Now, um, the way humans operate, um, no matter what system you put in place, whether that's communism or um, capitalism or anything else, anything else, even even the system the Romans had, the re- old Roman Republic, um, <laughs> there is a section of the um, community, the population that is rising to the top all the time and it's very hard to keep them down because some people are more ambitious than others. Some families are more ambitious ambitious than other families and it becomes a bit of a cascade and, you know, a very small... You always end up, you know, with a very small people, a number of people with all the wealth and all the power and a whole peasant class. Now, back in, you know, after Rome fell, you know, and, well, yeah century went past and all that sort of stuff uh 470 15 so yeah over, over a thousand years um you know you ended up with a very few people with all the power even in rome you had a very few families with all the pa- all the power even under a republic but anyway put that aside um that was a just a kind of you know official mas- mafia but anyway um so, you know, and eventually, you know, the English and the French revolutions come along and the people get sick of this, you know, and they rise up, people power, we are powerless, we will now have power and, you know, and, and all the spirit of the Enlightenment and all that sort of stuff and the people rose up and we ended up with sort of modern democracy and representative government and everything we like now and you'd think that, that you know, that smashed the old structure, what the French called the first estate, the second estate, and the third estate. You know, the first estate being the priestly class, the second estate being the, um, you know, the nobility, and the third estate being the peasants and the merchants, you know. And, and noting that the merchants were, you know, as time went on, sometimes eventually the merchants started getting rich and started owning land in their own right. But that was, you know, just one of the many triggers, along with the Enlightenment and all that sort of stuff, that brought the monarchy down in the end. Uh, now... Um, 
but now we've we've gone. We, it's been a long time since the English and the French and the American revolutions, and we're up to the 21st century now. And um, that God is gone. That God is still gone. Um, seems to be a pretty big factor in America. But look, for all intents and purposes, um, that God is not giving power to any monarchs in the world at the moment. Really. Now, maybe some tin pot little out-of-the-way kingdoms. Um, but that Christian God, he's, he's, he's not handing out much power at the moment. People power rules the world, the world over, you know. Uh, almost the world over, you know. Um, right. Um, that God's, you know, he's, he's, he's nobbled. He's been nobbled. But uh, I think there's a new God in town in the form of, now how shall I put this, um, celebrity global branding wealth class. Now, way back in the ancient times, you know, there grew up a noble, a noble class, you know. Well, that's been knocked on the head. You know, the noble class is ineffect, ineffective, you know, at the moment. Um, but there is a new noble class, but it's not noble. It's, I'll, I'll just call it a celebrity global branded super wealthy class and um now this one is an interesting one because it champions all sorts of good causes and they are genuinely good causes um all but one you know the only cause that that class doesn't champion look at it champions anti-racism and lgbt and disabilities and you know love especially love you know um uh, did you hear yeah this should be a should have been a canary in the mine did you see that bishop um yeah, who was officiating um, at Harry and Megan's wedding. You know, he was the first to stay. That bishop, I can't remember his name, I'm tempted to call him Desmond Tutu, um, but that's just because he was black, you know. Uh, but he, he sounded like, uh, and also because he sounded like um, Desmond Tutu and acted like Desmond Tutu. You've got to love! You remember the way Desmond Tutu used to do that? All right. Now, um, now what happened at Harry and Megan's wedding was Harry and Megan, you know, needed to feel good about themselves and all their wealth and all that sort of stuff. And um, that wedding emphasised all the good causes in the world except the wealth gap, you know, between the super wealthy and, the, you know, the new peasant class, you know, the ordinary people. Now, um, and what Harry and Megan were doing by having, you know, Bishop, Archbishop Desmond Tutu there... <clears throat> is, um, you know, they were saying to the people, look, don't take it from us, you know, that we are good people and beautiful people, you know, for all the causes that we are beautiful about, you know, LGBT, anti-racism, everything else. Don't take it from us. Ask him. Listen to him. He's just saying all you need is love, you know. Listen to John Lennon if you want, you know. Um, so that's what, that's what that, you know, like if you listen to that, look... You know, obviously, everything that uh, pretty much look, everything that um, Archbishop, whatever his name was, um, was saying was a load of you know codswallop. You know, because you need a lot more than love um, in this world. You know, um, yeah, love. You know, love wouldn't look at if this coronavirus takes off, and um, yeah, you know, for example, the 
communist Chinese government is brought down and the chaos that would um, ensue and all that sort of stuff in world markets, blah, blah, blah. There'd be riots in the streets. Love's not going to fix that. You're going to need some hard heads. You're, going to need, you're probably going to need some dictators, you know, some temporary dictators in the old Roman form and all this sort of stuff. You know, love ain't going to solve that, you know, if coronavirus takes off and triggers worldwide riots, you know. You never know. You never know. So he was speaking a lot of rubbish. But the point is, his role in that wedding, Harry and Megan's wedding, was, you know, just like in the ancient times. Um, you had a lovely couple here, beautiful, beautiful people, um, and a kind of nobility filling the church and all that sort of stuff, and they needed to feel good about themselves and have all that wealth at the same time. So they champion every other cause, um, and, and then they get a priest, you know, and pay off a priest, really. Now, he doesn't have to be paid in money. He just had to be paid in fame and celebrity. He did seem like the sort of priest that didn't mind a bit of celebrity. Do you remember the new, the new god is celebrity, celebrity, global wealth and branding, you know. Um, celebrity, mega wealth and global branding and all this sort of thing, you know. It's a whole class system growing up again, which is eerily reminiscent of um, the pre-French Revolution. Yeah, noble class, you know. Um, and it's a new royalty and you hear it. Hollywood royalty, you know, you, uh, you get this spectre of, um, you know, Meryl Streep, for example, or Paul McCartney, you know, um, on Richard Branson's yacht. And, you know, I, I googled Meryl Streep's causes once and there was a long list of them, something like 12 or 13 or something. And I looked through them all. And, you know, some of them were about poor people in other countries, you know, the, like the super poor. But um, there was no cause there that was uh, anything to do with the wealth gap between her and her fellow Americans, you know, the gap between the super super wealthy and the peasants the new peasants you know um who vote for donald trump sometimes you know and meryl streep says they're bad people you know now this echoes you know there was a war in the vendee um during the french one you know the many french revolutions because the revolution the french revolution which is a, a running sort of sequence of revolutions uh, and um there was um a, a nobility in um, the Vendée region in France, the Loire Valley, and um, the revolutionaries rose up, you know, and um, on behalf of the peasants, you know, because the, but the revolutionaries of that time, they were just one mob that wanted all the power and wealth, you know, instead of the monarchy, you know. And the people of the Vendée, you know, voted conservative, which was really weird, you know, because all the, you know, the Paris elite who had risen up and were trying to grab power, you know, and still keep the peasants peasants because they didn't want to change the social solution, the social system. They just wanted to change the political system, you know. Uh, things haven't changed. I could talk for hours on this, but um, anyway, um, the poor people of the Loire Valley, uh, the Vendée region, um, essentially, effectively, voted conservative and refused. You know, they sided with the conservative nobility, you know, um, of their region. They actually quite liked the system compared to what the other mob, you know, the new progressives were offering. And the new progressives grabbed hold of the French army, went up there and slaughtered them all, you know. And they remind me of Trump voters, you know, and would the progressives of America rise up and slaughter the peasants of America in the same way? Who knows? I'm getting off Harry and Megan, but it's all interconnected. Right. Now, um, in the modern age, 
When Harry is made the Duke of Sussex, it's not in any way, shape or form um, a, a sign that he owns Sussex in any form, you know, like in any form that the Dukes of Sussex might have owned Sussex a long time ago. A long time ago, the Dukes of Sussex were Sussex. You know, they essentially owned Sussex. They owned the people, essentially, you know. Um, the people were allowed to survive by the grace of the Duke of Sussex, and they were grateful to the Duke of Sussex, and he, as such, he was Sussex, and, um, and he, was, he was grateful to only God, you know. Well, he was grateful to God through the Queen or the King, you know. Now... Um, we threw all that away. We pushed it all away. And it's not like that now. Duke of Har- the Duke of Sussex. Harry, the Duke of Sussex, these days he is not Sussex. Sussex is the people, you know. Harry is not Sussex. He's the Duke of Sussex, but he is not Sussex, you know. You see in Shakespeare plays, you know, Harry would have been called Sussex. Oh, hello, Sussex has come along to visit us, you know. Morning, Cambridge. Oh, hello, Sussex. How are you, you know, and all that sort of stuff. You know, that's the way it was a long time ago in Shakespearean times. Now, and before especially, you know, before that, you know, even before the merchant class had kind of risen up and were... Uh, you know, making their presence felt and marrying into royalty, you know, all this sort of stuff. Anyway, back then, the Duke of Sussex back then was Sussex. The word, the term Sussex was his uh, to use as he wished, essentially, you know, I am Sussex, you know. Um, and then the Queen or the King would say, I am England, you know, and England is me, you know, by the grace of God. Yeah, we threw all that away. Now, I was mentioning before, and I think I'm right, um, that even in, you know, a communist system or this kind of uh, combination socialist capitalist system that we've all got in Australia, because we are part socialist, you know, we've got a lot of government-owned services, you know, uh, health and education and, you know, a lot of other things, roads and everything, you know, it's government-owned. So it's, you know, semi-socialist. We don't have private armies, for example. So it's it's fairly socialists. Um... You know, all the money goes into the centre, you know, government. And, you know, both of our, the, the Liberals, um, the con, you know, who are our Conservative Party, um, and Labour, who are our, you know, more socialist party, they're both kind of, they're not that different from each other. They're both a combination of capitalist and socialist, you know. Um, and it's only in the fine detail, you know, they're about 2% different from each other. Right. And when we have an election, it's, you know... It's just about that 2%. Do we want to be 2% more socialist or 2% less socialist? You know, it's not much in it. Now, uh, now this is interesting. So, um, um, actually, I've got to do something now. So I'm just going to finish off by summarising really quickly. I could have talked for another half an hour, but I won't. Uh, I think the new god is this celebrity, you know, global branding and wealth. And I think Harry... For all his words of progressiveness, um, has many is managing, and all of them are. You know, all the celebrities. You know, Richard Branson, Meryl Streep. You know, all these people. They're the new nobility. You know, one day they'll get guillotined. Uh, and what they're doing, and what Harry is doing, is echoing the uh, Dukes of Sussex of old. Um, in uh, him and you know Megan. Uh, Grabbing the title Sussex Royal and globally branding it, because I think that's what they essentially will end up doing, but globally branding it, um, 
well, this is almost like they own something of Sussex in a big way too. Um, you know, like owning Sussex back in the ancient times, well, feudal times, uh, was a um, was a huge deal. Now you might say, oh, he's just brand, you know, he's just got a trademark out. Yeah, that's a completely different thing. No. Um, that's the big thing in the 21st century. Global branding is a huge deal. It's massive. You know, this is the new... Um, to a certain extent, you know, if you're a Duke... He's the Duke of a different type of Sussex. He's the Duke of a global brand called Sussex. And he owns Sussex. By If he can trademark Sussex Royal as a brand, a global brand... And um, then um, I don't see that he's that because we're talking, you know, that could be worth a billion dollars, someone said, in 10 years, you know, maybe more. Um, But the spirit of the English and the French revolutions was such that Sussex and everything to do with Sussex was owned by the people of Sussex, not by the bloke they've they've put in as as the titular sort of duke, you know, not the actual duke, but the titular duke, you know, under a constitution that includes that sort of system, you know, um, and by grab making a grab um, for the title for uh, the t- for the queen, he said, "Listen, I will allow you to have the title of Sussex," you know, and he says, "All right, well, as a result of that, I am Sussex," and you know, the queen's likely to say, "What?" Yeah, but I think she, I think Harry and Meghan have got something over the queen in this case. She's a bit powerless, I think, because you know they can trigger a PR disaster, and I think she's a bit dobbled, and I think she quite likes Harry and all that sort of stuff. You know, I don't know about Meghan, um, but anyway, um, all that aside, I think Harry has declared himself to be Sussex in a global branding sense, which is the new god. He is deriving his power from the global brand, from his celebrity status and his wife's. And this is the new God. He's gone back to pre-revolutionary times and a new peasant class, you know, probably might emerge out of all of this over the next 50, 100 years and all that sort of stuff. I think we're watching um, the gap between the very wealthy, the super wealthy and the rest of us uh, growing. And... um, you know, I, I, I can easily see a, you know, Bourbons, you know. Someone will, you know, someone will brand Bourbon modern, you know, and be like the Bourbon kings of old and in France. And, you know, and then there'll be Sussex royal. And then someone, maybe, the, you know, the next king, you know, maybe William. Well, he, when he becomes king, he can brand United Kingdom royal, can't he? You know, and when that sort of stuff starts happening, you've got, you know, we, we've gone back to before the French Revolution and the English Revolution except with a different type of God. It doesn't matter what the type of God is. It can be money or it can be a bloke in the sky. You can you can deploy it in the same way, you know. And the priestly class, you know, back in the old days when God was in heaven, the priestly class was, you know, men in frocks, you know. But the priestly class now are, you know, the, um, the celebrity, you know, do-gooders, you know, the compassionates. You know, that's the new religion, you know. Um, so, you know, people like the you know, Sussex royal, that's Harry and Meghan, they might say, listen, we are Sussex and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And the people of Sussex might say, hey, that's our brand, you know. Oh, no, 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 I am Sussex, you are peasants, you know. He's gone back to that. And how far off am I here? And, um, and, and, um, 
And, uh, you know, and the people might object. And Harry and Megan might say, you know, well, don't ask us. Ask the beautiful people. You know, Hollywood royalty and all this sort of stuff. Ask Meryl Streep. Ask Paul McCartney. Ask all these celebrities you love. Ask the Kardashians. Ask it. Ask anyone, ask Jay-Z and Beyonce, ask all these people and they will say yes, you know, because we're handing them some cash as well. You know, we're all, we're all friends, you know, just like the priestly class and the noble class were back in the olden days. But the point is, this is a new political system and, uh, and the old social system of old is on its way back. I wouldn't be surprised. And, um, and you know goes in waves this thing doesn't it you know and oh look unfortunately i won't be live long enough probably to see the guillotines wheeled out but if you're a bit younger than me you might for me you know I like the constitutional big picture angles the political angles the social angles and all this sort of stuff you know um, yeah of course there are humans at the bottom of all of this people like Harry himself you know the second son you know what's it like to be the second son I don't know I'm the first son you know I'll have to ask my brother uh, what's it like to be Megan you know growing up in that family <laughs> that sort of thing you know um, and um, my first instinct there is to help barrack for Megan if she's trying to um, elevate herself out of that world you know, that, that she grew up in, then um, good luck to her, you know. The, the, we barrack for people like that in general, don't we? You know? and, and maybe when it's a, an ambitious woman, we don't. Um, an ambitious man... Uh, Starting at the bottom of the heap and clawing his way out of the sort of dross gutter or whatever. Look, she wasn't in the gutter, but um, she was just ordinary. She was was born into a very, very ordinary situation. Just, you know, she's like me, really. Uh, She doesn't seem to have been any better off or any worse off. And now she's one of the most famous people in the world. Um, maybe the most famous name in the world at the moment Um, and me I'm still exactly the same as I was 20 years ago, 30 years ago you know, no more famous than that now um, so we admire people like that, well we admire them if they're males but if there's there's this trope you know, that if you're an ambitious female, especially in royalty and all that sort of stuff um yeah, this, I'm just talking about the human side of things at the moment. Yeah, I've left all that other stuff behind now. Um, um, but on a human level, I find myself barracking for Megan. Um, people say, "Oh, you, you know, like they might think you she should um, pull her head in or something," you know. But you know, she's made no secret of the fact that she's she's. Uh, climbing, you know, she's social climbing, um, and you know, who are you to say that um, she's who to declare she's got to the top rung and she should stop climbing? You know, who are you to say that? You know, uh, I'm talking on the human level. Now, she uh, she she may well trash 
each rung as she goes up, and she may not, you know. Um, um, but you know, if her ambition is to get to the top of that ladder, no matter what, um, you know, we admire that in other people. Uh, you know, like little Richard, you know, I often use him because he's my favourite. Um, he climbed right, you know, uh, from the gutter. He he was on the lowest of rungs. The the lowest possible rung you can imagine, really. Yeah. Um, you, you hear a lot of rappers and everything say, oh, I've had a bad life, you know, um, and all this sort of stuff, you know, and I've had racism and all this sort of stuff. Um, but little Richard, you know, to, to a modern rapper, um, I would say, try growing up as an African-American kid um, on the wrong side of the tracks in the Deep South, you know, Macon, Georgia, uh, back then in the 1930s, you know, um, he's doing all right now, little Richard, yeah, he, he's living in comfort now, he's got a, he, he's a bit, he's confined to a wheelchair at the moment, because he had a car accident when he was about my age, and it, it never did come good again, you know, um, so he's been, you know, battling that all his life, really, for a whole 40 years, uh, but anyway, um, he's, he's, he's closing in on 90 now, he'll be the last one left. Anyway, he crawled the last of the great rock and rollers of the 50s, you know. Um, it's him and Jerry Lee Lewis. Jerry Lee Lewis is still there. Who else? One of the Everly brothers, and that's about it. Yeah. Um, so, um, yes, little Richard, he, he crawled, you know. And I applauded him uh, for managing to get to the top of the rock and roll world at least and be one of the biggest names in the world he was in his time uh, you know, he's, he's nobody now um, but he was in his time he got to the top of the heap you know uh, and he gave it all away <laughs> he gave it all away he was he was here in Essendon one day <laughs> I've digressed haven't I don't care um, he was in Essendon um at Essendon Airport, and um, and my dad was ground crew at Essendon Airport at the time, and he hopped in an aeroplane, and one of the engines, as he took off and as it was flying along, glowed orange hot. You know, had there was engine problems, uh, and um, that that's that sort of put the fear of God in him. You know, um, he uh, look. He, he had a uh, one of one of those preacher dads, you know. He had he had a hard childhood, really. Um, some very bad things happened to him, the likes of which I won't describe. Um, but he was preyed upon. There's no there seems to be no doubt about that. As as a young person, by the by the freaks in his area, you know, in his community, the freaks preyed upon the young boys and all this sort of stuff. Um, that seems there seems to be no doubt about that. Um, but also, he was a bit disabled, and um, that was bad because, you know, in the African-American community, if you, if you haven't got rhythm, man, you know, like he couldn't, he never could move properly, and he wanted to do soul, sort of, he started off trying to be a soul singer, and I, I think they didn't let him, you know. Uh, you can't have soul if you can't move, like James Brown. James Brown came from the same town, um, and, you know, this is this just this is the way communities are, you know, they can be horrible, um, yeah. and, um, he had a huge head, you know, 
like a ridiculously huge head. Um, Google Little Richard with the Beatles, you know, because there's a, photo, a famous photo of him with the Beatles. He's got this huge head. His head is twice the size. His head is about the same size as any two Beatles put together. He's a chuppa chup. He's huge, you know. Um, what else has he got? And he's gay, you know. Um, or he was omnivorous, as he called it. There wasn't any word back then, I think, for uh, queer. Was there? I don't know. I'm not an expert on all that. Um, but all, the word he came up with back then was, I'm om- omnivorous, you know. I'm everything, you know, whatever. Okay. Uh, so he was that, and he had a preacher dad. You know, that didn't go down well. Um, and um, and what else was he? Okay. Gay, disabled, what else? Whatever I take to gay, disabled, queer. Look, he's probably a few other. And poor. You know. And growing up in the deep south of America in the 1930s, massively, like a whole different level of racism than even today, you know. There's kind of a legacy kind of racism these days. Um, but this was the real stuff, you know, where, and he, um, where he described this once, you know, there was a different tap for the white kids, you know, at the, in the, in the town. Um, like if you went down to, you know, there was, um, a, a drinking fountain, you know, whites could drink out of that drinking fountain. The blacks had to drink out of the tap over there, you know, um, all that sort of stuff, you know. So, you know, for him to drag himself out, oh, and he, you know, and, um, yeah, as far as, you know, being ambitious, he was super ambitious like Megan, you know, and he wanted to get himself out of that, you know. And, I, you know, I, I find myself even now sort of applauding the fact that little Richard was able to get right out of that and go rung after rung after rung all the way to the top. He got to the top and threw it all away. Oh, I forgot to tell you. Yes, his aeroplane was... Um, was running into trouble as he was in it flying along and um, put the fear of God in him because he did come from a, a heavy Christian family and um, he, he ended up in Newcastle in New South Wales at the time and renounced rock and roll for Jesus, you know, because he thought he was going to die, you know, put the fear of God in him and also he was, the, you know, the Sputnik was uh, was coming down at the time, and he thought that's going to land on me too. And he just realised his mortality. You know, he was only in his twenties. You know, cut him some slack. You know, um, okay. So, um, but the point, and you know, and he threw it all away, and he never really quite got back there again. Um, yeah. uh, now, but Megan, yeah, I applaud him. So I can't very well not applaud Megan for trying to do something similar. She's trying to claw her way up too. And some people are born ambitious. And, you know, that's their nature. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. She, look, um, yeah. But the, the whole preceding episode was really from Harry's perspective. You know, I've, I've sort of ignored Megan. You know, Megan is Megan, you know, like, um, he married a Megan, did Harry. Um, so she's just playing the Megan game. And, you know, people might say, oh, she got to the top rung. Um, and she should just fit in now, you know, at that level. Like, she's gone up this level, that level, you know, movie star level, whatever. And then she went to, you know, became a royal, became the princess, did the dream thing. You know, can you begrudge her, you know, what young girl isn't taught from a young age that you've got to try and find a prince and marry it, you know? So she did all that. And, you know, people might say, all right, now, fit in. You know, she said, um, sorry, I haven't, you know, and she might say, I haven't declared this the final rung, 
you know, this is, uh, sorry, did, when I married Harry, did I have to say I'm, I'm finished climbing, you know? And why should she be, you know, um, finished climbing, you know? Uh, I, I don't begrudge her that. I find myself applauding her. You know, it matters to me personally, perhaps, not much. Yeah, but you know, it matters to someone who's a bit into the British, you know, the not the not into the royal family for goodness' sake, but into the institution um, that is, um, yeah, the executive under our constitution, yeah, um, which I've already talked about. I don't want to get back into constitutional stuff again, but you know, if I'm into um, places like the UK and Australia, you know, maintaining. Um, maintaining the current system and not switching to something like the American Republican system, which I'd be very frightened to switch into at this point in time. I, you know, I think uh, any vote for a republic would go down like... Uh, oh, I can't say what I was. What just jumped in my head just then. Um, uh, I wouldn't, if I was a republican in Australia, um, you know, I want to. I wouldn't be calling for a vote at the moment because what you're doing is you're asking for a switch from something that's fairly stable, like you know, the political system that is Australia. Um, and you, I, oh, I already talked about this, didn't I? And you know, and you want to bring in an elected president. Um, yeah. It's wonderful in Australia how we have a governor general, and the best thing he can possibly do is do nothing and say nothing. And he does do nothing and say nothing by and large year after year after year and, you know, just goes bang every now and again if he has to. Um, you know, and we might switch that to an elected um, president instead who will, you know, will have to make promises in order to get elected. And once you make promises, you have to do things every day. And Donald Trump is doing things every day, like he's on Twitter every day saying things. And he's already always doing things, signing executive orders, always acting, 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 saying, saying, saying. And my God, our Governor General, I don't even hear from him, Peter Cosgrove. In fact, I'm not even sure if he's still the Governor General, you know. Have we switched? Have we got a new one yet? Look, see, I lose track. Um, because he's so irrelevant, you know. Look, he's sitting behind the scenes. He's ready there. He's there, ready to go bang if he needs to. But he doesn't interfere and involve himself day in day out you know in the same way that the queen does it in political affairs you know and donald trump does you know but anyway look i don't begrudge megan for goodness sake in fact i'd be a hypocrite if i applauded little richard and didn't applaud her so you know um yeah i i say go for it megan you know um I, now harry the person i you know that's I, He's, he's just a rabbit in the, in the headlights at the moment, I think. You know, he's got Megan, you know, and he's got the institution that he's... Oh, look, I don't know. You know. Maybe he's got a secret plan and he's running the show. That's possible. There's another kind of trope, you know, that the woman, you know, in, in, in these situations is always conspiring and running the show and the, and the man is just henpecked, you know. But sometimes it is the case that the man's got some plans as well and maybe he has... Maybe he'll come out on top. Maybe he'll ditch her, you know, um, and, um, and, and and marry someone else. And, you know, he'll be the big star and she'll be, you know, nothing. You know, it could go the other way, you know. Somehow doubt it. Um, look, it's a possibility that she'll divorce him, you know. 
maybe he's one of the rungs, but not not her last rung yet, you know, because you got married before, didn't you? Maybe she's still, you know, next she might marry a billionaire, you know, a trillionaire. Um, you know, uh, Harry's not a top rung kind of guy, is he? I'm definitely a lower rung type of guy myself. But, you know, you might think, you know, marrying a prince, you've, you've married in, as far as you can go. Um, but there are people higher than Harry, you know, better catchers um, uh, than Harry for sure in the world. Um, like, you know, Jackie Kennedy, she, she, uh, she went from president um, to Greek shipping tycoon, and that was a step up on one level, wasn't it? You know, money at least. Um, money brings power, you know. Maybe she'll marry... Leonardo DiCaprio or something, yeah, someone like that, yeah? Uh, you never know what's going to happen. Um, because, you know, she might want to join a different royal family, the Hollywood royal family, and that sort of thing. And, you know, Harry, Harry might be left out in the cold, you know, he's a lesser royal. Wouldn't it be funny if, he, if the UK became a republic and um, Harry suddenly wasn't a prince anymore and, um, you know, she might get bored with him, you know, because... The UK, you know, this could... You only need the Queen to die and, you know, Charles to become King and everyone just to get bored with the whole thing um, and call for a republic, you know, and uh, and Australia um, not call for a republic, which would be funny. (laughs) We would still be a constitutional monarchy, but the Queen would be gone. Ah, dear. You know... And in the previous episode, I imagined um, that we should um, keep the Queen even after she dies, you know, because she'll, you know, she she can still serve her purpose with us in Australia, even if she's not alive. In fact, you know, that, look, I made a whole episode about that. I actually think that's true. You know, we could keep her, you know, she could be a virtual Queen, you know, the memory of a Queen, and we could still be a constitutional monarchy because she's got no say in Australia anyway, you know. I want to give it another hit out. And this is this idea, you know, um, let's say the Queen dies today, you know. And I'm thinking Australia could just declare, just could say, all right, our allegiance from now on is with the Queen as she was on the day she died. You know? We don't need her to give us any more wise advice. She lived for a long time. We have plenty of recordings of her. So we know, we know what she was all about as far as, you know, giving moral guidance, for example. Um, and, you know, she, beca- she becomes something of a, a secular god, you know, in, at that point in time. And, um, and we swear, you know, we continue to swear allegiance to her even though she's dead. But the difference between her and... Uh, Uh, a normal god is we don't expect her we know she's not there anymore we're only um, we're only pledging allegiance to her memory you know she's dead she's not going to say anymore you know um, she's not continuing to give us advice you know we can't pray to her she's gone you know but we we swear allegiance to how she was the day she died and I think that would work maybe not for long you know but um, even if it lasted for a day, I'd be amused. And then if it lasted for a week, this new political system, 
I'd be even more amused. And, you know, and after a week, we might say, let's, let's just keep it going for a month, you know. And after a month, we'll say, look, the country's going all right. Let's go for a year, you know. And it's just a question of having some imagination. Um, and, you know, look, you might say, that's crazy. A new political system is crazy, you know. Uh, you know, this royal family that is um, frozen in time... Uh, but to that I would say, you know, you'd never have a Harry and Meghan system situation again or an Edward VII or whatever, whoever he was, who ran off with an American um, actress or something. Um, you know, um, the royal family couldn't embarrass us anymore. You know, it's finished embarrassing us. It is frozen in time. Um, Harry and Meghan, little Archie, Harry and Meghan's kid, would be one year, one year of age forevermore. You know, we would swear allegiance to, you know, Harry and Meghan. You know, there's, there's something in it for them too. They would never die, you know. Um, we would swear allegiance to the royal family um, as it existed on the day that Queen Elizabeth II died. And we would sort of, sort of send a memo to England and say, look, regardless of which way you go from now on, we're sticking with Queen Elizabeth II as she was on the day she died. Um, no, it makes no material difference to us because she wasn't giving us any political or social advice anyway. Um, you know, we, we've, you know, we stopped. We, we, we stripped that power off her long ago, you know, the power to intervene in Australian politics. Look, right now, um, the Queen can't, can't interfere in Australian politics. You know, like technically maybe on a, you know, a constitutional lawyer might say she can, but in practical terms she can't because if she interfered in Australian politics, there'd be an outcry and there'd probably, it'd probably trigger a uh, referendum on a republic straight away, you know. So she can't, you know, even if on paper she can, she can't. It's been many, many years. I reckon a good... You know, since the since the time of Whitlam, at least, for it looks in my lifetime, I don't think the Queen has been allowed uh, to interfere in our politics anyway. So, what difference between that is there and a Queen Elizabeth II who's dead? Um, and you might say, well, you can't have a dead Queen as your monarch. And I say, yes, you can. You know, it would be it would make no practical difference. You know. Um, why don't you try it for a week, is what I would say. And if the country's going all right, keep it going. You know, we'll send a memo to the UK and say, listen, we're just going to, um, you know, you're going to put Prince Charles in as king, but we're going to stick with Queen Elizabeth II and we're going to have a dead queen. Um, you can have Prince Charles and whatever you do in the future, United Kingdom, we are going to stick with what, uh, with the United Kingdom we knew on the day that the queen died. You know, you could even become a republic, United Kingdom, but we'll still swear allegiance to um, the Queen. And um, politically and socially, we will uh, declare and deem that the UK is a monarchy forevermore so that our constitution reads right. But it's not the monarchy that exists on any given day after the Queen dies. It's the monarchy that existed on the day that she died. Um, a close reading of uh, the Constitution might allow that to be possible. We might not even need to change our Constitution. You know, all we have to do is put a little, um, you know, uh, we, well, we simply have to just put in some legislation that we declare the Queen, that Queen Elizabeth II is not dead 
for the purposes of our constitution, you know, and on we could go. Look, what I would say, look, it sounds crazy, but then every political system, the new political system that's ever been created um, has sounded mad, you know. Um, you know, I'm sure the very first time the Romans proposed a republic after now, I think I remember it was the Tarquins, you know, the last royals of Rome, um, you know, before Rome became a republic. You know, someone, someone might have said, let's not have a king at all. And, you know, there would have been people saying that's crazy, you know. Um, and, and yet the Roman Republic went for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. What was it? About four or five hundred years, you know, before it was smashed by Caesar, essentially. Um, and, uh, but, um, but um, you know, Australia could do the same thing and maybe we'll get 400 years out of it. Um, and, you know, like, uh, you might say, oh, yeah, but we need our Christmas messages from the Queen. We've got heaps of those. We can rerun those. They don't say, you know, and we could even establish a little council, um, a little bit like, um, you know, the Council of Nicaea in the uh, religious sense, you know, the Catholics, um, who, you know, once Jesus died, um, you'd get these council, councils coming together um, to discuss current um, situations and, um, and they'd all get together and work out what Jesus would have said, you know, um, had he been, still, had he, were he not dead, you know. We could do that. We've got that much. We know the Queen and her utterances so well. We could get a, a council together here in Australia um, that for every situation that comes along um, where we haven't got a, a, a precise ruling from the Queen on her attitude towards such things in giving us guidance, not political advice, but guidance, uh, moral guidance or whatever she does, you know. She does very little. We give ourselves moral guidance. We wouldn't even miss the human, you know, called Queen Elizabeth II. This council would have very little to do, you know, but we'll set it up anyway for the optics, you know. And... Um, you know, the Governor-General could say, listen, we've got a situation here, let's call the council, our council together and um, decide, you know, you know uh, let's, let's, let, let's put out a Christmas message every year based on the spirit of Queen Elizabeth II, um, you know, which comments on the year that has just gone past. You know, maybe, there's, maybe coronavirus got out of hand and that triggered riots and everything all over the world and, you know, uh, and, and we will write a speech on behalf of the dead queen, in the spirit of all the speeches we have of her, which are all pretty much the same, you know. Um, and um, I reckon we could write that speech. Look, her speeches are written by speech writers anyway, aren't they? You know, she's not that smart. I've never really detected that she's that smart. You know, I think she's more, um, she, you know, she's got a lot of grace, Queen Elizabeth II, and she knows how to navigate uh, the world her world without saying too much, you know. She's um, so she surely she would have speech writers, you know. Um, I don't I don't think anyone in the royal family strikes me as being super intelligent, um, you know. None of them, you know, as I look into their eyes, set the world on fire as far as I can tell. Um, Queen Elizabeth II, Charles, you know, um, William, you know, he looks pretty vacant. Um, Harry, uh, you know. He might be the smartest of them all, maybe, but, you know, he might not even be one of them, you know. So, 
you know, this is what I think. We could have a dead queen. It's crazy. But I just, I, I, I like having these little fun ideas. And I've tacked this fun idea on the end of this episode. Um, and uh, before, oh, before I finish off, there was a situation, you know, you, you might say, all right, so, Charlie, you're imagining, for example, you know, the UK going to a republic and Australia uh, remaining a constitutional monarchy, you know, um, one of the col- ex-colonies, you know. Um, and we sort of had that situation once with the Spanish uh, royalty uh, when in Napoleon's time. And uh, Napoleon, and now Spain had vast colonies over in South America, all the way up to Mexico and I think into Texas and, you know, modern Texas and modern California and all that sort of stuff. Spain had huge overseas holdings, all loyal to the Spanish monarchy. And Napoleon went to Spain, not to South America, he went to Spain and knocked off the monarchy. Um, I think he might have killed the king and the queen or something and, you know, another king, or maybe the king died. And Look, and I think he sent, um, one of the kings ran off, you know, the new king, he was a stupid son or something, ran off and um, hid. So he put him in exile or something. Anyway, the the Spanish monarchy was knocked off. But at that, now consider this, at the very moment the Spanish monarchy was knocked off, they didn't have the internet at that point in time. Okay. Um, it It had to, there was no way for the Spanish colonies to know that they were swearing allegiance, they were still swearing allegiance to a monarchy that didn't exist. How many days does it take? Um... Let's say, I don't even know how long it takes for news to reach South America from Spain that, you know, your monarchy has been knocked off. Now, when they got to Spain, uh, the first messengers to report that Napoleon had knocked off the Spanish monarchy, Spain had been going very well, thank you very much, for a whole week. Um, reporting to a monarch that didn't exist. So I think this proves that it is possible. Now imagine by some, for some reason, you know, maybe imagine the Atlantic was blockaded by uh, the British fleet and they didn't find out for a month. You know, theoretically, surely Spain, uh, sorry, the South America, all the colonies in South America, could have and would have just carried on, you know, as they were, uh, reporting to the Spanish monarchy that they'd lost contact with um, and uh, you know they would have they would have muddled their way through but they still would have been reporting to a monarchy that didn't exist for a whole what did I say um, a month um, so that proves it can be done that's all I'm trying to prove that it can be done you know and they wouldn't have gone into revolution the Spanish colonies you know now, now imagine the English blockaded the Atlantic for a year now, look, they might, be, might have been getting a bit tetchy by then um, and might have started, uh, you know, some of the, you know, Venezuela might have fallen into result, uh, a revolt, you know, you know, Paraguay. You know, they might have started breaking away. But the point is they would have gone for a fair while without having a revolution, you know. Now, if they'd used their imaginations, they could have just kept it going. They, you know, wise heads could have all sat around and saying, listen... Yeah, imagine news came through after a month that the Spanish monarchy had been knocked off by Napoleon. And everyone, you know, imagine if there were some wise heads that got together. Um, hey, everybody, did you notice that we actually ran everything fairly well for that whole month? You know, it didn't fall to pieces. We didn't have a monarch, but we didn't know that. 
And yet, we manage things all right without turning on each other and, you know, uh, and falling into civil war. This proves it can be done. What do you say, guys? You know, you, the, 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 all the wise heads um, at the time might have said, um, you know, Simone Bolivar or whoever. <clears throat> what do you say? Let's just keep this going for a year, even though we know now that the monarch is finished. And the monarchy is finished in Spain. What do you say, you know? And um, yeah, imagine if... Uh, now, what we've got there is a scenario that I'm proposing, that Australia... Look, it's ridiculous, I know. Um, but, you know, like, we look at America right now, and we, you know, and I reckon that political system is stuffed, you know? I don't like Donald Trump, the renegade. I don't like Bernie Sanders, the socialist renegade. Um, I don't like the establishment Republican Party and I don't like the establishment Democrat Party. I'm almost thinking, you know, um, thank God we're not like that in Australia. And we aren't, you know. We do not have a left-wing party that resembles the Democrats, you know. I I think I might have mentioned that already. We have the Australian Labor Party, which is more for the worker and, and our soldiers and all that sort of stuff than it is for progressive beautiful causes the way Democrats tend to be for, well, in word and not deed, at least. Um, you know, but we don't have a sort of Hollywood royalty, beautiful people type elite, fully fledged, like, you know, the Democrat sort of Clintonite sort of party has got. Um, you know, I look over at America and I say, you know, I'd throw that away and put in a new system and you'd sort of, and then uh, someone might say to me, well, what system would you put in place? Well, you know, I'd, I'd put in something like we've got in Australia, Labor and Liberal, you know, which has got, as far as I can tell, bears no resemblance to uh, Labor and Liberal, to the Democrats and the Republicans, you know. Well, for a start, you know, the word Liberal here means our Conservative Party, and over there it means, the, you know, Liberal over there means um, lefties, you know. And over here, Liberal means righties, you know. So we've got a completely different system, and I almost say, ah, oh, what a pity they haven't got our system. And imagine if America had our system with all those, with all that wealth. You know, maybe they could do a better job than they are doing with what they've got, you know. Um, uh, but then again, I might even suggest, oh, hang on, what about this new system I'm proposing? You know, what about that for America, you know? Kill off the republic, you know, make Trump the next Julius Caesar, you know, get him assassinated or something. And you need to bring something in, new, new in and get some sort of Augustus Caesar, you know, Julius Caesar's been knocked off, and get an Augustus Caesar in there to put in a completely different system, you know, play, pay lip service to the Republic, you know, the US Republic, the same way Jul- uh, Augustus Caesar paid lip service, but put in place a system um, that is wholly new, you know, and you can put in this system I'm imagining, you know, allegiance to a um, who? In America, well, I don't know who they would pledge allegiance to. Washington, how does that sound? You know, um, they could start again. Could we start again, please? You know, something like that. All right. Um, well, Trump can't stand him. You know, the only person I hate tr- more than Trump is Hillary. <laughs> yeah, but I do. I, I dislike both, and I don't like Sanders either. I don't like anyone over there. <laughs> Trump. He's an institution smasher, you know. He's into smashing institutions. And I'm very... I, I, I love the idea of independent institutions, you know. And, and Trump is into smashing them, so I can't like him. Um, 
oh, look, I want to finish this episode now. Um, but um, so you know, the UK could become a republic. Um, Prince Harry might suddenly not, look not such a, be- a good bet, and she might marry someone in Hollywood royalty instead. You know, and that's the next rung. You know, and so on and so forth. Uh, she might marry um, Donald Trump's son. You know, anything could happen. Anyway, that's enough. That's the humans, anyway. I look at, I was a good boy. I talked about the human side of things. You know? It is possible, of course, that little Archie will grow up and come after me.